What's up, guys? It's Kevin and Steve, founders of Bombers and Sleeves, a clothing and lifestyle brand dedicated to artists, writers, musicians, anyone currently on the creative path, or anyone looking to start a creative journey of their own. Our goal with this company and our Bombcast is to encourage you to win the internal war of your creative pursuit. And we sum that up in three words, and those three words are bomb your boundaries. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's think about it for a second. What has more concentrated, focused, explosive energy than a bomb? Not that much fucking else. And so we use that as a metaphor to say, if you want to make your creative vision come through, make your dreams come true, you got to get intense, focused, and explosive. And so with this podcast, we bring on guests that embody that bomb your boundary motto, And now you know what that means. It's the slogan for the whole company, so you're going to hear it throughout the podcast. You're going to see it on our Instagram page. If you go to our website, it's blasted all over that too. So now you're in the know. You get it. I'm going to hand it over to Steve. We have an amazing guest in the studio today. I'm going to let him introduce her. Yo, what's up, everybody? Uh, Okay, so it is a honor to uh, deliver our next guest to you here in the studio uh, she, and that is, yes, she, you are the first lady right. of uh, Bombcast history. So uh, she is by far one of my favorite country acts here in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I definitely have the privilege uh, of, of working with this this person. And uh, I'll, I'll just never forget the first time we sat in a room together and you opened up your mouth and sang, I completely <laughs> melted in my chair. Thank you. And I knew that, wow, we were going to get something special, and we we have been. And um, I think, uh, you know, just part of uh, why we make such special and magical music uh, is because her voice is like none other. It is very uh, effective. It's very captivating and uh, just simply unique. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is our honor to introduce to you First Lady of Bombcast History, the wonderful, the talented Miss Nora Collins. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. This is my first podcast. That's exciting. So uh, this is a pretty big deal for me. Okay. So we're bombing (laughs) some boundaries here. We sure are. We are bombing some boundaries. That's great. We're just right out of the gate. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, so Nora, I, you know, I've heard nothing but great things about you from Steve. Every time he talks about you, he's like, man, I just, I believe in Nora Collins. That's Nora awesome. Collins this, Thank Nora you. Collins that. It's awesome. So I, unfortunately, have not had a chance to see you live yet, but that is on my bucket list for sure. So <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, I have, however, you know, been able to do some research on you. This yeah. is the first time that we met in person. But, you know, I just, I read the bio that's on your website. Um, and so you're originally from Milwaukee. Racked up a bunch of great singing awards from there. Um, so let's go ahead and, and slow it down sure. um, and kind of talk about, you know, your early life and what got you into music at first. Maybe your first experience with music, like what that was like and what really turned you on to it. Yeah. Well, let's see where to start. Um, I always loved to sing. I mean, my mom said, you know, basically that I could sing before I talked. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. My mom, she kept a a baby book for me and and my sister. And, uh, I guess I wrote my first song when I was like two years old. Whoa. Um, but I mean, it was not obviously nothing special, but I guess I had warts on my feet. And so I made up a little wart song. Nice. (laughs) And so mom wrote down, uh, the lyrics to my, to my sweet little first song called the wart song uh a very very proud moment do you remember any of the lyrics no to this? unfortunately i don't oh. but I, I bet i could have my mom dig it up and uh 
Yes. I could send it to you. Maybe I, maybe I'll revise it and okay. spruce it up. 2019 version. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Next bombcast, I want to perform into that. Okay, deal. Well, hey, it's, uh, it's something impactful that was going on that was, it was taking you out. Of, yeah. Exactly. And yeah, that was it out. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. emotionally, it was a big thing for me at, at the age of two years old. Yep. But uh, yeah, I was, as a kid, I was exposed to a lot of different music. Um, my parents listened to all genres. So I wasn't just raised in a, you know, a country music household or strictly pop or rock. Um, I listened to, to everything. And actually my first concert, um, was Celine Dion. Nice. I was obsessed with, uh, the song from Titanic. Mm-hmm. My heart will go on. And I would sing it everywhere that I went and I called it the Titanic song so Celine Dion came to Milwaukee and my parents took me and I fell asleep during the concert and they had to wake me up for uh, that song oh man so that was uh yeah it's it's pretty crazy to say that my first concert I was three year old three years old slept through it and it was and I someone as iconic as Celine Dion the queen yes wow do you remember that moment, though, when you were woken up for it? That had to be a big no, deal. You know, no. I, I feel like, first of all, I feel like I have a terrible memory. And uh, I'm not really sure what my earliest memory is. Um, actually, I think I do. Okay. Um, fourth grade, not fourth grade. Whoa. <laughs> no. <laughs> Four four th- days ago. No. <laughs> <laughs> my memory is that bad. But um, no, I was four years old. My my best friend at the time was my neighbor, Michael Haithmeyer, and I had the biggest crush on him. And we, uh, we played outside all the time together. He was the boy across the street. We were going to play golf. And he hit me in the head with a golf club on the backswing. Wow. Because I wasn't paying attention and I remember him telling me to move. And I, for some reason, my little four-year-old head told me, move closer. <laughs> and he back swung and I cracked my head open. Oh, man. Oh. I'm seeing yeah. a correlation to the memory problems, maybe. Maybe there that's you it. Go. You, yeah. know, <laughs> you know, I did crack my head open twice as a young child. Two and oh then four. So oh maybe that gosh. explains it. Wow. Well, you're doing great. Thank, Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And your names are. <laughs> uh, yeah, right, right. And what what day is it? <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so you didn't grow up with really strict genres in the house. It was kind of open to a bunch no. of different things. Yeah, I listened yeah. to everything. Uh, my dad is a a big Elton John fan, so nice. um, you know know a lot of those songs. Um, I think my next concert after Shania or after. Celine Dion was either Shania Twain or the Backstreet Boys. Nice. So I, yeah, I loved everything. Um, but Shania was my introduction to country music. Okay, cool. It said it said on your bio that I read that it, so you were you were trying to take like formal singing lessons, but they couldn't get the like the twang oh, yes. out. Is that what did that come from? Like your introduction to Shania, or do you just naturally kind of sing with more of like a like that type of twang to it? You know, I think I just naturally had a twang um yeah I started taking vocal lessons in fourth grade um I I started singing in the church choir and we would do like musicals and I had a solo um in the first musical that we did about Noah's Ark and um our music director at church uh pulled my parents aside after the musical and was like hey she's got something that might be worth developing like here's a, a vocal coach that if she enjoys singing, I think you should take her too. And so wow. um, my parents started taking me and my sister. Uh, my sister uh, has a beautiful voice and played the flute, and very talented. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
and also loved musical theater. I was kind of a musical theater kid. So we went to Mrs. White in Franklin, Wisconsin. Um, and she was a musical theater, classical, uh, vocal trainer. So, um, I just remember going in and, and we could bring her songs that we wanted to perform and, and we would just kind of master them, you know, and she would help us warm up and work on our flexibility of our voice and everything. And I just remember her being like, man, that twang is not going anywhere. So I guess wow. we're just going to have to roll with it. So then I started bringing in country songs uh, for her to help me develop my uh, my own little thing. But I, I didn't know then that I was like, country music is my thing and I'm going to be a country singer. Like that was not even a thought in my mind. I just loved to sing. And I don't even think I recognized the fact that I had a twang. Like, she said that I did, but I was like, I don't hear it. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it wasn't until later on when uh, I was in high school that I realized I had a country thing to to me. Like, I th- you know, I don't even really know when that moment was because when I when I did my first CD, so I was 14 years old and it was uh, the summer I was going into high school. I was super, super bored. I had an old guitar uh, hanging out in my room from also fourth grade when I because I wanted to sing yep. and I wanted oh, yeah. to be able to, you know, accompany myself. Sure. So my parents signed me up for guitar lessons, hated it. Um just because, because of the mechanic, like it was so boring. Well, because like, I didn't oh, want to play scales. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I don't. I don't care rock, what man. note I'm yeah. playing. Like I just want to be able to play and yeah. sing. And this guy wanted to teach me the basics, the scales, and I just was so uninterested. Boring. Didn't want to practice. So it just sat in the corner of my room for a long time until I was going into high school. And uh, that summer, I was just so bored that I picked it up and I knew four chords. And I wrote my first song and um, it was just so much fun that I ended up writing nine other songs. And uh, before I like gained enough courage to, to be like, hey, mom, I wrote some songs. Can I play them for you? Nice. And uh, so she came into my room and I was like, you can't look at me, though. So she sat on the ground <laughs> you know, with her with her head in her knees and uh, I just sat on my bed and I, and I played her the songs and um, she was impressed. And she was like, you should play these for dad when he comes home from work. So I did that. And my dad was like, whoa, these have structure and they make sense. Like, good for you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and uh, it's a big it is. Well, and like for someone who's like, I mean, it is so scary to to share something uh, that you've created that you you don't know if it's good. You just know that you like it. And it, you know, you did it by yourself. No one helped you. Yeah. And just to play that for someone and and I've oh, my parents' opinion has always been um has always meant so much to me that like their approval is everything. And so for them to say like, "Hey, these are good." Like meant the world to me. And uh my uncle has uh, or had graduated from college with uh, a music minor and a great piano player and uh, he has a home studio and so my mom was like you know we should take you out to Uncle Doug's and see if he'll 
you know, record these for you, just a guitar vocal, so you can have these to look back on someday, because that'll be so fun for you, you know, when you're 30, to look back on what you did when you were 14. Yeah. Wow. So we did, and my uncle was so impressed. He was like, Nora, these are good. So he he added piano to them, and uh, he had a friend of his help him with like how to use pro tools and everything and then my other uncle came in and played electric guitar on it and then my other uncle got jealous that he wasn't involved so he came in and played a shaker egg like uh, so it (laughs) pretty funny you need the egg yeah i mean it's necessary (laughs) right yeah yeah. and uh another uncle or uh, an aunt of mine did uh the initial um album art for the for the first cd um but what i was getting at was that like that CD to me was not country music. I didn't know what genre it was. It was just songs that I wrote that That I was that were me and that I, you know, came from my heart and, uh, listening back to them too. Like I still don't think they're country. I don't know what they are. I guess some, maybe my dad thought they were country. I don't know, but my dad found a contest, um, with CMT uh, around that time that I released this first CD and the, and the the contest was CMT Music City Madness. And so there was 64, or first you had to make the top 64 out of everyone. And then I ended up making it to the top 16 in the nation. And because of that, I had a lot of local press. And because of the local press, someone from NSAI, the Milwaukee chapter, came to a, a, one of my shows, which... At the time, all I was playing was Potbelly Sandwich Works, a, a sandwich shop in uh, Sounds amazing. my awesome. hometown. And so <laughs> yeah, I, would, yeah, I would play yeah. there every Friday and Saturday night. There were two locations. So I would, on Saturday night, I'd be at one and Friday night the other. But uh, so she came and sought me out. And that's when I started uh, learning about how to actually write songs. Wow. And... Yeah, I don't know. There's so there's so many things to say ab- about my journey early on that it's hard to like organize my thoughts about it. You know what right, I mean? Because sure, it's like no, take your time. it's so sporadic of where my memories. Well, let me ask come. you this: what, like with that, uh, the songs you recorded with like your uncle. Yeah. What were the like the things you were writing about at that time in your life? Like I was writing about things I had no clue about. I right. was writing. I was writing As we about. All do. I was writing about relationships and had only had you know. One boyfriend, I had my first boyfriend in eighth grade, but was that really a, a you know, a right. boyfriend? Yeah. We talked on AIM and yeah, yeah. texted, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> went to see like a couple movies. like Sure. So uh, were you pulling from like, uh, sorry to cut you off there. No. Were you pulling from like direct experiences that you had with that person or was it like pulling a little bit from your experiences that you had together, but then also the like idealism that you've seen on like movies and things like that? Where we were kind of, kind I of think pulling. you summed it up beautifully. I wish I could articulate like that. Yeah, that's why uh, he does most yeah, of the thank talking. Thank God you're here. Yeah. My God. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think I, I drew from the little bit that I knew and then, yeah, you're right. Like, movies which i've always been a big fan of movies it's one of my favorite things to do is watch movies and go to the movies um so i've always had a very idealistic image of what love should be and and my parents have been married for 33 years like and my parents are so in love like i've always just seen and held love in a high regard so um 
Yeah, that was beautifully said. Thank you for saying what I couldn't. (laughs) Well, I think even even writers uh, or artists do the same thing today. Like, you know, like just because like, you know, a lot of times uh, you could be in the happiest mood ever. But you could go into that room on the row and write the saddest song. Right. Because you can tap into those places and you kind of and maybe it is for me, I think, too. It's like I watch a lot of movies and yeah. And I like to visually see and I like to paint in my mind like maybe what the video is going to look like or what the, maybe the heart is going through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm the same way. And, and, and yeah. I think I think when I was younger, too, it was the same thing. Like you almost wanted to paint what maybe love should feel like to you, yes. even though you're in eighth grade. and You're like, dude, I mean, come on, we're on MySpace. And yeah. this is a real I've right. I've never but, really been in love. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I will say, though, uh, they're one of the first songs I wrote that was on the CD, which the CD was called Red Chuck Taylor's. Nice. So there was a song in there that I wrote about my first boyfriend after we broke up. It was called Dimples Filled with Lies. Oh, maybe that was my second CD. It was my second Ooh, CD. It's wow, called that's Dim- a- wow. Dimples Filled with Lies. And the chorus started, or maybe the- I'm confusing my own songs. This is so long ago. But there was a song that the chorus started, you're not that good looking, you're a jerk, yeah, I hate your guts, you make fun of people who don't care for you that much. I forget how the rest of it goes. But I I have friends from high school that'll still bring up like those old songs and request them and oh, yeah. uh, it's just so funny and there's a radio station back home uh, our our big um competing radio station WMIL they uh have been a big supporter of me I was the first artist they ever played on their on their show called Homemade Jams which is where they play local musicians uh I was the first ever artist and it was Red Chuck Taylor's that they played so let's talk about Homemade Jams I mean that was your first time you ever performed on the radio yeah. Was it live? No, it's, they played it's, Yeah, no, the it's, it's not a live show, but it, they do it every Sunday night at 10 o'clock. And, um, Were y'all like listening like at home and yes, like, oh me, God, did you have the family my, over? Me and my parents. It was just me and my parents. Um, we were in the family room and uh, my, so my dad used to record every show that I was on like TV and radio stuff. So on the VHS. Yep. And so (laughs) he like, and he has something set up now, like with the radio or like the system he has set up, he can record the radio. Nice. And so he had it all set, set up to record. And, uh, I cried for sure, but I pretended like I didn't because, you know, I wanted, I I was cool. Yeah. Yeah, But that meant the world to you. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. And, oh, I remember where I was going. So we were talking about how like country music, like how did that happen? I'm from Wisconsin and these first songs that I wrote to me weren't country, but then, because I didn't know what they were. I didn't know. I was just writing for me. And um, and then I entered one of the songs, that first songs that I wrote called Don't So Down to the CMT Music City Madness Contest, made the top 16 in the nation. And that gave me a lot of local press. And the the Milwaukee director of the NSAI group uh, came to one of my shows and introduced me to the songwriting community and told me about Nashville and that that's the place I needed to go. And so I think at that point, and having the success that I did in that competition, it it uh, it took my hobby and made it into something that I thought I could pursue, not necessarily as a career. But that I, I just loved, I loved to play and I loved to sing and I liked sharing that with people. And so NSAI and uh, her, her name is Lisa Medill, who was the, the coordinator of the Milwaukee chapter, is really what started my journey in country music, like where I, it, it clicked for me. 
that like I'm a songwriter and country music tells stories and that's what I want to do. I want to tell stories. And for those of you yeah. who don't know what NSAI, NSAI is, but it's Nashville Songwriting Association International, right? Yes. So um, its main hub is here in Nashville, but it's it's all over the place. Right. And they help you kind of um, with your songwriting and like meet connections and stuff. Connections. And, and there's like lots of great opportunities with NSAI, especially for begin, for beginners. There's workshops and there's uh, with your membership, you can send in 12 songs a year and have a professional songwriter critique it and give you advice so um really good company absolutely and it was something that i definitely feel like i took great advantage of when i was first starting out yeah it was a a big a big thing for me yeah and and then the connections you made through that have have obviously continued to help you out absolutely i mean i met um my my friend kevin kirk through that songwriters group and he and his wife ended up moving to nashville I don't know how long ago now, but um, before I moved here, they were living here and uh, they would let me stay with them every time I came down to Nashville. And I mean, that helps so much as a, as a young kid trying to, you know, come here and make connections and, and do the thing. It's, it's an expensive trip and yeah. We talk about Hotels. that a lot on the podcast, yeah. like just, and yeah. Nora's just saying it. I mean, it's very important. Relationships are, are very important and connections and people you meet along the yeah. way because it is, it's really expensive to stay here in Nashville, especially today. It's expensive to live here. It's expensive <laughs> yeah. to breathe here. It really is. <laughs> I think I'm being charged 50 cents a second. <laughs> Seriously, I'm already yeah. That's expensive. Yeah. No, connections are, are relationships, I should say, are everything. I, I didn't realize that until a couple years ago because I always thought you know the most talented and is going to win the best and the nicest people are going to win and since moving here not that wonderful people don't um, thrive and super talented don't have people don't have success um, but I've just you know when you're in it every day you kind of see the behind the curtain And, um, that's been, that's been a little bit of a, my eyes have been opened and it's a little disheartening, but I still believe that if you work really hard and, uh, you're nice to people, I mean, nothing bad is going to happen to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, would you mind going kind of further down that? I mean, you don't have to name names or like specific events, but like what exactly have, have you seen maybe in more details that was like that behind, maybe there was a big moment where you're like, wow okay there's definitely more politics in this than i than i thought i think i just realized like after i moved here that it's it's just like the music industry back home you know what i mean like politics are absolutely 100 percent involved it is people like to help their friends and uh and that's why relationships are everything because it is who you know um talent helps and it's it is important to be able to back yourself up with, um, you know, your voice or your guitar or, or whatever it is that you're pursuing, your songwriting. But um, at the end of the day, like I've come to realize it's the best songs don't win. Like I, I'm a songwriter. I, I mean, I have a publishing and an artist development deal and I'm 100% pursuing the artist thing. But I'm also writing songs and would love to have a major label artist record a song yeah. of mine. And you're a fantastic yeah. songwriter. Thank There's you. no doubt about Thank that. Thank you. Yeah. But I'm not friends with any of those artists. And those artists 
typically they cut either the big name songs uh, for, from the big name writers or they're cutting songs that their friends wrote because it, uh, who doesn't want to help their yeah. friend out? Gotcha. Yeah, I, th- I think talent gets you in the door, but relationships get you through the kitchen. Yeah. And and you're right. I mean, Ooh, in, in some, sometimes... I like the, that. Wait, quote, quote. <laughs> <laughs> Chew on that one. Oh, yes. Um, but no, I, I, to- I totally agree with you. Um, and, and the thing is, too, it, it's like, you know, that's where the, the word you said relationships. It's such a big thing. So I think people that... Um, when you, people that are in Nashville, the sooner you kind of discover that and realize that, um, you're right. You can be wonderful. You can be a nice person, and that's awesome. And you should be. You right. should be because 100%. Beca- and you want to know why you should be because you're gonna have more relationships that way. Yeah. Um, you can't be a shit bag and be the talented, right. the most talented person. It just won't work for you. So really, you know. Yeah, no, nor can you be the guy who's obviously trying to be friends with people in quote like celebrity right. status right. positions. Right. You know, so how do you balance like being your authentic self, but then right. also like really wanting to to develop a, a friendship with someone in that position? Well, and that's the thing. Like yeah. that's so difficult to do. And I feel like for anyone listening to this who isn't in this community yet, like it is daunting mm-hmm. to try and build those relationships. Um, because I know for me, who's someone who is still trying to to build on relationships and and meet new people and the right people, like it is so scary to put yourself out there and to put yourself in situations where you don't know anyone or you see someone that you really admire and you want to talk to them, but you don't know how to go about it the right way because you don't want to come on, um like a fangirl or like you you're just talking to them because you want something out of them or like you just want to write with someone and so you're like hey we should write sometime like people hate that yeah like I don't feel like I do very well in uh social situations I feel like I have social anxiety where I just get very nervous about being around people that I know um carry a lot of weight and that they have a lot of say and stuff that mean a lot to me so, yeah, I don't know. I need advice on that. That's something I need advice on is how to be cool in those situations and not psych yourself out. Yeah. Or you know, burn a bridge. T- t- you totally. know? Yeah. It might actually, you know, I just listened to you talk about that because I, I, I completely get where you're coming from. I mean, even us with, with this business, I mean, we you know we'll, uh, there will be a time where we come around someone who is in that type of position. And yeah, it's daunting too because we don't want to come off like um, like we're trying to get anything out of them. Right. I guess maybe like if you had to imagine like reverse engineering that, like <laughs> you're the person that carries a lot of weight yeah. and someone who is in your position now came up to you. I guess what do you what do you think you would want to hear from them? You know, I've had I've had young artists come up to me like from back home or or email me or DM me on Instagram and ask for advice and stuff and I always feel funny about it because I'm like I still have such a a, a long way to go with, with where I view, you know, success to be at. Not that I don't think I'm successful. I get to do this for a living. So, like, what a blessing, you know. But there's just so so much more that I want to do. So I don't feel like I, I've accomplished enough for someone to ask me, like, how do you do it? or And how do I get to where you're at? And so I don't know. It's just I, I feel like I always give them the same advice that other people gave me, which is, like, play out everywhere and anywhere you can. Write with anyone who will write with you. Write every day, even when you don't feel like it. 
even if it's just your, you know, your train of thought, like just mm-hmm. write down anything. Uh, personally for me, like I, I think what, what it also has to deal with is like being true to yourself. Um, when you do go to these parties and stuff, it's, it's important to be you. And if you are going to be you, be very comfortable with you and be very confident about who you are. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's definitely. also a struggle though too. You know, how do you become like, I, I feel like, you know, I, I just turned 25. I feel like I know pretty much who I am, but I still, I mean, to be completely honest, I struggle with feeling secure with who I am and that I'm enough and that I am, uh, worthy of being in the rooms that I get to be in you know I I think thankfully though a lot of celebrities and a lot of any creative type person we the two of us definitely struggle with that well I won't put words in your mouth I for sure struggle with that Um, but I think you know I think a lot of the people that you look up to probably struggle with that too and what I was thinking when when you were saying that back is like you know we're all like the best friendships have come out of people that we approach just as peers you know outside of vocational success but just as like spiritual human success like you can cultivate that within yourself and meet someone on that same level there too because what's also crazy that i was hearing when you were saying that is like you you don't feel like you've reached the level of success that you're capable of or wanting to get to i can guarantee you that those people that you look up to feel the exact same way because there's always like that next level above that you know because when we're all in this room trying to be the best that we can be that's like a moving target right Right. because once you hit that that first best then your best is not that best anymore. You got to have right. for a higher best and higher and higher and higher. Right. So there comes a point where, um, coming to that place of self-acceptance of bringing that to any situation, I think is yeah. powerful, but absolutely. I was always weird with that too. Like when, when we brought, came out with the, how it feels EP. Yeah. And I was young. I, I think it was 25 when we did that. 25, 26. Yeah. Yeah. We were 25. And so that's crazy. Yeah. And we, we would get it. I know. This is a big and turning it, point. It's crazy though, but we, I used to get, you know, emails and yeah. people calling like, man, like, dude, so proud of you. Like, I mean, you're, you're doing it, bro. You're really doing it. And in your mind, you're like, that's cool. Thanks. Yeah. But you're like, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Right. So like, you, that's cool. But like, I want you to come at me like this when I'm on the top of the mountain. <laughs> I think that's just normal. I think that's normal. But I will say this. Yeah. There is something that's fantastic just about doing it. Cause you know what? You do get to wake up every day and, and write songs and perform and you have a, a publishing deal, which is big for someone who's like, you know, I guess who doesn't and, and doesn't even know have the connections to do that. So yeah. there is success in your story. There's a, there's a lot of success in your story, but it's a, it's just very humanistic of you to, you know, to say, yeah, but I'm not there yet. Well, that's okay because we know where you want to go right. and you will get there. And, and when you, but what Kev said, once you get there, then I ain't going to be good enough anymore. Right. Then you want to go, go higher. <laughs> and that's great. Yeah. Want more. Want more? Dream bigger then. Right. I love that. That's the beautiful thing about life. Yeah. Well, and I will say too, um, on the, in the same breath, like, uh, Steve, you are someone that I've taught, has taught me in this last year about, you know, dreaming big and putting it out into the universe. And when you ask for things and you believe that you can have them or that you already have them, it comes to you. Like, well, it doesn't come to you. You have to work your butt off. But like the power of positive thinking is everything. Yeah. yeah. And uh, coupled with like the power of expectancy yes. and all that too. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't live every day and be like, man, I wish or I want or maybe. Right. Eliminate that and right. say this can happen. And as soon as you start saying that. And it's going to. And it's going to happen. 
And and Kevin and I talk about this all the time, knowing the end of the movie. Like we always say, what's the end of the movie look like for you? And if and some people are like, yeah, I just want to be successful. I have a couple of kids and, and that's fine. Yeah. And some people are so blueprinted where it's like, yeah, I'm going to have this car. It's going to be this <laughs> color. Um, it's going to have this type of engine. It's going to be at this house. I already know the address. Uh, it's going to have this over. <laughs> like paint it for me, man. And right. that's a beautiful thing. That's yeah. not greedy. Uh, that's not being cocky. That's just, I, I think that's very important for your heart and your mind because you start thinking of those things, the closer they will come to you. Because you, when you believe, you know what happens? You usually get. You put in the work, you'll get it. I love that. So that's a good that's a good segue right there. What what does that end goal look like for you and where is that in comparison to where you are currently? You know, it's interesting. I've uh when when he was saying that immediately like the vision that came into my head was just um like a house on the water and I was in a rocking chair with what I hope was my husband and there were kids around, uh, which I, like I, I'm viewing end game, like before totally. I pass yes. away. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So like grandkids and stuff. So, I mean, family is so important to me. And like I said, you know, love is, you know, what we all want. We all want, we all want to be loved. And, uh, so more than anything, I think that's what I want is I want a family. Um, but dream wise, like with my, my music and stuff I mean I want it all I want the record deal even though you know that ne- isn't necessarily um crucial anymore in in today's world with music you know with being able to to do it independently and some people have made amazing careers out of that but I for me personally I want the major label deal um I mean I, I feel like I have steps that I want so it's getting the record deal then it's getting to go on a major tour as that first opener of three acts and then moving up to the second opener and then getting to headline my own tour more than anything like what I love I love being able to write an an amazing song that comes from the heart and resonates with people but the the thing um, that I've come to realize that I just love more than all of that is being able to go up on that stage and play it like that is when I'm my happiest like my anxiety goes away when I'm on stage and I'm playing and I don't know if it's just because I get to focus on other things and it um and it's just about you know making sure the crowd's having a good time but also too I think it's you know you get to see the impact that you make on people like as songwriters you don't necessarily get to see your song affect someone like I was in Milwaukee last weekend or two weekends ago now um, I had a show at the rave and after my set, um, I, I would say maybe she was high school or early college. This girl came up to me and she was crying and she was shaking and she was just so excited to meet me. And, um, and she told me that my song plain Jane just meant so much to her. And then later that night, um, I got a message on Instagram from her and she told me how, um, she has struggled with a neglectful family, an abusive brother. She's got two siblings that have autism and she has like, uh, 23 mental diagnoses and has been in and out of mental hospitals for the past four years and has, um, suffered with self mutilation. And she found my song playing Jane 
and it helped her see how beautiful she was. Uh, so wow. like that's what that's a powerful yeah. thing. And that that moment there, I mean, I will always remember that. And that just like validated everything for me. It was like because plain Jane came from a personal space where I wasn't feeling good enough. Um, I felt like, you know, do I even have a chance in this industry? I, I just yeah. felt plain. I really felt like a plain Jane. And uh, to know that my story, which is so different from hers, affected her in a way and and helped her get better. Yeah. Like that's, it just, it let me know that what I have to say is worthwhile. Yeah. And then it does good. What you have to say is important. Yeah. And you actually have something to say. Yeah. So that was just a really special moment for me. And it, actually what's funny too, small world, her and I have the same birthday. Oh, of course. Nice. Of course. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, man, I amazing. heard you play that song. Uh, well, one thing that maybe our audience doesn't know, there's a very special guest singer on the recording of that song. And, there is. and you can tell them who that is. Um, just like this guy who's never done anything in country music. Right. Some you, hack. You've probably never heard of him. Uh, Vince Gill. So first time I heard that song, I immediately, well, I played it for my wife and we just, I, we were silent. I, I think we were just like, we we looked at each other afterwards and we're like, wow. Then I saw you play it live at Analog uh, at your uh, release show or showcase. And um, it was great because, you know, I remember you playing all the upbeat stuff and, and everyone's getting into it. But when you play that song, and I remember telling you this, like it, it was just a magical moment. So when you're up on stage and like you're performing that song, and I mean, obviously it's just you. There's this light on you. It's beautiful. It's perfect. No one's talking. Everyone's just mesmerized by the power of the song the po- and what you're actually saying. The lyrics are connecting, just physically connecting at that moment. Um, how do, What's that feeling like? Um, playing Jane is a song that I always look forward to playing. Um, you know, I find myself still like, I mean, I wrote that song two and a half years ago. Oh, I didn't um, know that. And it is a song that, like, I mean, I remember at that release party, I had to try, I had to hold back tears. Like, I was really, like, yeah. it, it's a very real song to me. And um, especially in moments where I'm struggling with insecurity or my anxiety, like, it's a very emotional song to me. And it's hard for me to get through sometimes. But I love playing it for that reason because yeah. I wrote that song as a pep talk to myself. And um, learning that it's doing that for other people, um, it, it makes it a, a highlight of my set for me. Because, you know, you never know what someone is going through. And, like, I mean, meeting this sweet girl, like, I had no idea that she was going through all of that. And it was something she was probably too scared to tell me in person. Yeah. And so she, but, I mean, she had enough courage to to tell me in a, in a direct message. And, um, so it's just really powerful. And like, I've had someone else, um, one of my, um, fans in, in Milwaukee who comes to a lot of my shows. Um, his name is Mike and very, very sweet guy. He came up and told me that plain Jane inspired his weight loss journey and wow. he had, had lost a hundred pounds. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. Look so, at that cool. beautiful connection. Like, <laughs> Genre or yeah. Gender spanning. Yeah. It's, Man. it's really cool to see. That's what it's about. Absolutely. And that's just more than anything. What I want to do with my music is 
make people feel like they are not alone and leave them feeling hopefully better about themselves in their life and with hope and uh, maybe feeling inspired but I just want to connect with people and um, that's I think why I love actually getting to go out and play because and and then meeting the people after the show because you just get to see all walks of life and and it's cool to see what resonates with people and and to hear their stories that's why people love music it's because you get an artist like yourself who when you go up there and play a song like Plain Jane, that's that's very honest. That's very true. It's very vulnerable for you. You're exposing yourself. You're exposing your wounds to, to you know, an, an audience or to the world. And that's why I think people gravitate towards music because uh, the guy that's trying to lose weight or the girl that, you know, was kind of self-mutilating, that has nothing to do with why you wrote the song. But they saw maybe that vulnerability in you and the way you deliver it so beautifully on stage. Then they're like, man, I'm connecting to this person. That's the power of great songwriting. I think that's the power of great music. But more importantly, that's the power of being a great artist is delivering that message. And that's so cool. Like, I mean, I have no doubt. I mean, that's, that's, that's how you do it, man. That's Thank every you. time I see you, that's, that's how you do it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm just a fan. I'm just a fanboy. <laughs> okay. So you moved to Nashville. Um, I like to ask a lot of our guests um, what that moment was like. Because I remember when and Kevin will tell you his story too. But it's like when you first see that skyline. And uh, it, it, it's a beautiful sight. It's also a very intimidating sight because you're like, wow, this is my life now. Um, what was that moment like when you were driving down either I-65 or 440 and like you see the skyline and you know you're not going back home uh, and you're going to make Nashville uh, your permanent residency and you're going to do this professionally or, or at least try to? What was that moment like? That moment for me was uh, I felt ready for it. Um, I had never lived anywhere else in my life. I was born and raised in one house in Brookfield, Wisconsin. I didn't go away to college. So um, I was ready to have a place of my own. But but the reason I was ready to move here and I, and I didn't feel, I mean, I, I was nervous, absolutely. But um, I was ready because, so my story is a little different. Like I didn't, just move here because I wanted to be in Nashville and be a songwriter and was going to, once I moved here, start trying. Like, before moving to Nashville, I played a lot of shows for a lot of years. I played over 200 shows um, a year, all stuff that I booked myself for the five years prior before I had moved to Nashville. And um, wow. in that last year, um, I started taking monthly trips back and forth from Milwaukee to Nashville. And at the time, there was no direct flight, so I would drive nine and a half hours one way, uh, stay with my buddy Kevin and his wife, and stay here for a week or two at a time. I, I just I would set up rights and meetings uh, before I came for my trips. I'd make sure I had enough things to do that made the trip worthwhile. Um, and I did that once a month for a year. And on my very first trip, I was fortunate enough to meet my now publisher. And uh, he was kind enough to take a meeting with me through my friend Kevin. Uh, Kevin had met Clay Myers at a uh, pitch to publisher kind of event. And uh, he mentioned me and just said, I have a young friend uh, from Milwaukee who's coming down to Nashville. Uh, Would you mind meeting with her? And he said, absolutely. So I emailed him and set it all up. And he had just started... Um, a company 
with uh, Tony Harrell called MV2 Entertainment. And so we had our first meeting. Uh, it went great. And then from from that point on, he made time to meet with me every trip that I came down and um, started setting me up with uh, with rights, people to write with. And he got good feedback from them and he liked the songs. So a year later, I got a verbal offer to um, sign with MV2 Entertainment for a publishing and artist development deal. And then I ended up signing the actual deal in March of 2016 and then moved in April. So for me on a personal, so that's why I felt ready. Yeah. Because I had worked my butt off and already knew a handful of people here. So I, I didn't feel like I was coming in, you know, cold and blind without knowing a soul. Like I at least had people I could reach out to and, uh, and write with or maybe go grab lunch with or something. So I didn't feel totally alone. And for me, that was necessary for me to make the move to Nashville because I was playing all those shows back home. I was making uh, a, a pretty good living for myself doing that. And I knew financially I could not give that up unless I had something to move for. So I was going to continue taking my trips until I got something. And uh, I, I think I always knew that I would. And I don't want to say that in a cocky way. I just, um, in my heart, I knew that this was where I was supposed to be. And somehow it was going to happen. But I personally could not make the move without the security of a publishing or artist development deal, which is what I ended up getting. Right. So... The moment of actually moving down here was uh, super validating. Uh, it was scary, though, because like I said, I had never moved in my entire life. I'd never been away from my parents or my family, and I don't have any family here in Tennessee. So um, it was scary. And because I didn't go away to college either, it was like, you know, I didn't really have any of those moments where it was like I was away from them for a long period of time. But I don't, I also don't think I ever really had the opportunity to be homesick because after I signed my deal and moved here, I already had a full summer of shows booked back home. So I had those commitments. So I moved here, was here for two months, and then went back home for pretty much the whole summer play, oh, and played man. shows because that's where I, uh, I have all those connections back home. I play a lot of shows there. So I still um, go home quite a bit, not as much anymore. Um, and not for as long as a, you know, a full summer, but, uh, I go home enough that I don't, you know, I miss my parents, of course, but I, n I never went through that homesick kind of period, which I'm grateful for. That's awesome. That's a <laughs> lot more set up than a lot of us were. So. Yeah. Well, I, I was raised, I was raised by a cost accountant who, uh, I mean, like our vacations, we had itineraries. So, oh, wow. and my dad helped me with growing my business for Nora Collins Music um, from the get-go. So, you know, he helped me set up a website and an email and he helped me book my shows in the very beginning. I mean, I was 14 when I started booking shows and playing in bars. So obviously he was very involved in, but he never did it on his own. It was, we did it together. So I learned everything. Yeah, you learned a lot about the business side of that, that right. kind of thing. And wow. not, not, not that my dad had ever done any of that, but he was obviously, you know, he's like 
an adult (laughs) and uh, had more experiences than me and knew how to communicate with people. He knew what to ask for with like, you know, compensation and, and lighting and whatever. So like, um, very, very grateful for him. And, and, um, he taught me a lot on how to do all of those things. Also for like, uh, just a little bit more of my backstory, like what made me start taking my trips to Nashville, um, well, technically, I took my first trip to Nashville when I was 16 with my dad and um, the coordinator of the Milwaukee chapter of NSAI. Uh, she introduced me to Nashville. And we came down here a few times, and someone wanted to sign me to, like, a development deal, but it kind of um, – it was a fishy kind of situation. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't right, and we got lawyers involved, and the lawyer was like, this is not a good situation for you. Oh, yeah. You need to not. And so then I, you know, I went through a little period of feeling like Nashville was a terrible place. And so I didn't, I didn't go to Nashville for a few years and pursued like reality TV. Um, I tried it out for American Idol when I was 15. That was before my first trip to Nashville. They came to Milwaukee, which they like had never done. And so I went and did that and I made it to callbacks, but, um, and then was like waited for 13 hours and was the the third last person they saw that day I was 15 and and then they told me I wasn't ready after hearing 15 seconds of me sing which I wasn't wait let's talk about that which I wasn't I was 15 years old okay that's young but then uh so then you know the voice became a thing and uh I ended up auditioning for the voice and I made it out to the blind auditions I was 19 or 20 years old and I think I was 19 uh the first time I did it and it was season six. And um, so I, I refer to The Voice as my college experience because um, we were sequestered out in a five-star hotel for a month. And um, I had vocal lessons from a vocal co- oh, an amazing vocal coach. And we did interviews and hair and makeup every day. And, um, and I was with, you know, a hundred other people who loved to sing like me. And so we had just developed amazing friendships. And, um, when those are the only people you get to see for a month, you get pretty close. But so I went out for season six and, uh, I didn't actually get to audition in front of the coaches because the teams filled up before I got to go. So I was pretty devastated and, uh, went home and, you know, didn't know what to do. And then they invited me back for season eight. It was the same deal, sequestered for a month, uh, got all the great, you know, coaching and, and things like that. And I got to audition on day one and I didn't get any chairs to turn. And I was devastated. Who was, uh, who was judging on season eight? On season eight, it was uh, Adam Levine. Pharrell Williams, Christina Aguilera, and Blake Shelton. Uh, not even not even Uncle Blake, huh? Uncle Blake didn't turn. Uncle uh, Blake, mistake. Uh, yeah, you know, everything happens for a reason, and uh, so I didn't get any cheers to turn. And then, like, and again, completely devastated. And uh, about maybe a month later, the producer of The Voice ended up being the producer for what was supposed to be the last season of American Idol. And he always really liked me. So uh, he flew or he invited me and my parents to come out um, for the to Denver for 
the auditions and I just got to go straight in front of the um, the judges because there's what people don't know who haven't experienced auditioning for these shows is that there there are way more auditions before you get to actually right. sing in front of the celebrities. So I just got to skip the other part and go straight in front of Harry Connick Jr., Keith Urban, and J-Lo. And, um, I love Harry. <laughs> and I was told I on, Harry was the only one that said yes. Oh, so good I, man. I did not go to Hollywood. Yes, good man. And so again, at this point, I mean, I'm 20 years old, maybe 21. I forget what year it was. I thought my life was over, you know, like, yeah, sure. what am I going to do? I need to go to college. Like, what am, what is, what else am I going to do? And it was at that point that my mom said, you know, if this is something you want to pursue, you need to start taking trips to Nashville. And so at that point, I started taking those monthly trips by myself. And a year later, ended up getting a deal and being able to move here and uh, actually make a career out of it. Wow. You know what? I, I mean, how many people do we know that are like legit famous from American Idol or The Voice that have had like longevity to me yeah the only two that have had longevity are Kelly Clarkson mm-hmm. and Carrie Underwood yeah so those those odds yeah. are super slim they are but yeah. but when you're from you know Wisconsin or or you know well wherever you're from and you don't know anyone it's everything sure it's a huge you, deal you, you no, think totally, that that's yeah. like that. totally the only that. way yeah i heard like the contracts they make you sign are like are pretty bogus where like they they, oh, they yeah. kind of stiff you I mean, down the road absolutely like i mean they're not great but you also have to weigh like you're nobody you get the platform. and you want to be somebody sure and this is your opportunity to do it but there were definitely people that walked away from it um and good for them. But I also know that like, especially with the voice, um, like I said, it was my college experience. It was, I mean, it didn't pan out the way I wanted it to, but it was one of the best experiences of my life, both times that I got to do it. And the people that I met, you know, I'm still friends with some of them. And, um, I value that experience so much. It was hard in the, in the moment. And cause you know, when you want something, you want it right now. And, And what do you, where do you go from here? But, um, it is something that really fueled my fire and got me here. Yeah. So. Yeah. Without, um, without those auditions and people saying no, you wouldn't be here with a deal. Right. Well, and I, I learned a lot with like how to interview, not that I'm a great interview, but you know, like when you have that opportunity to to do that in front of a camera with producers talking at you and who are intentionally trying to um, pull things out of you that cause emotion. Like, you know, I mean, you grow a lot and you learn a lot. And I was at a very, um, I was at the age where that was, it was important lesson for me to learn, especially learning that you don't have to talk about things you don't want to talk about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because people try and, pull things from you they want to make great tv right when that and that was something that i learned too was that they knew before i even set my foot on that stage if they were going to turn around or not it had not granted i know i did not perform well on that audition like i was so nervous i put 
I put my entire life on that one performance and that was an unfair position to put myself in, but that's how much it mattered to me. Yeah. And so I was a nervous wreck and it, and you could hear that in my voice. And then also you have that, the time pressure of you're singing for 90 seconds and yeah. they're not turning and they're not turning and they're not turning. Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of some shit. Man. Uh, yeah, that would mess with my head. Yeah, yeah. It, totally. And, yeah. and you know, your parents are in the other room watching with Carson Daly. Oh, yeah. And you're like, and then you're what like stressing about, is this going to air on TV? Oh my gosh, everyone's going to see how bad I did. Like, I don't want, and luckily for me, my audition never aired it didn't, uh, yeah. for either okay. show. But, um, yeah, so, and then circling back to where we were talking about putting our, you know, speaking our dreams and, and, you know, if you say it, it will come to you. A big dream of mine is to someday be on a, a late night talk show and or Ellen, you know, and be able to share my story about how I was turned down by Blake Shelton, Adam Levine, Christina Aguilera, Pharrell Williams, Harry Connick Jr., J-Lo, and Keith Urban. Wow. And somehow... I still am able to be here today. Yeah, because I think that's that would be a beautiful moment. It's it's going it's going to be a beautiful moment because I think it's important for people to know that everyone can tell you no, but if you believe in yourself and you work hard, because I think a lot of people think that things are just going to be handed to you, Mm -hmm. but you have to bust your ass if you really want something to happen, and you can't just think other people are going to do it for you or it's just going to land in your lap because you put it out into the universe. Like You have to act on it, too. That's great, that's great advice. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, yeah, I can already see that definitely happening. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I, I think, and you uh, kind of spotted on something like the word no. Like, I just think like when, when people hear the word no, I, I've heard it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Kevin's heard it a thousand times. Like our band has heard it a thousand times where it's just like, man, it's all about how you react to that. And I, and I think, it, yeah, no is a devastating thing. I'm sure that was fairly devastating not seeing a chair right. turn around, okay? It really is. But it, <laughs> with that, though, you grow some kind of like uh, like internal armor, right? Especially as like an artist yes. or, or a creator where it's like, yeah, you don't, maybe you don't like me. Maybe you don't like my shit right now. But uh, as long as I keep doing this, man, someday you probably will. You probably will. And if you don't, eh, fuck off. But you're not going to stop me. <laughs> right. So I, I just, I love, bomb your boundaries, you know, to me, it really means a lot of, of, of taking that, that word no and just disintegrating it with your heart and say, fuck off. I can still do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Amen. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, take me kind of to present day, like where, yeah. so you're with MV2. What's kind of like on deck? What's what's coming next down the pipe yeah, for you? Yeah, so for me right now, um, MV2 picked up my final option for my deal, for my uh, original deal. So uh, what that means is I have another year with them writing songs and with them supporting my artist career. And a year from now, we'll decide if we want to renegotiate or if we're going to go our separate ways. Um, But for right now, I am booking a lot of shows, going to be playing a lot of shows this summer, which I'm excited about. And I'm writing for my next project. And um, uh, I believe we have secured um, a a great producer for this project. Um, But in terms of not... You know, right. knocking on wood. I'm gonna yeah. knock on wood, knock and, on and, wood and maybe not share the name so I don't look like sure. a loser sure. later if it doesn't sure. pan out. But it's going to. It's going to. Yeah. It will. Um, 
so I'm just I'm very excited and and hopeful for for what is to come but all I know is that I'm writing the best songs I've ever written and I am I I feel like I really know who I am and what I want and that's an an exciting place to be yeah, it feels like to me, just hearing your whole story, like everything has happened exactly the way it was supposed to. I mean, to just turn yeah. 25, like I know you said it was a big birthday and it is definitely a big yeah. birthday, but like <laughs> you got like a, a lot of, a lot of time. And I think honestly, like your position perfectly to be 25, to be in the position that you're at right now with the Thank experience you. that you have. I mean, to, you know, to knock that out of the park at like 26, 27, you're set up for, for a great long career. So well, I think thank it's... Thank you. I sure hope so. And uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's funny because, you know, to me, it's just, it's such a big number, 25. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I just yeah. remember being... Um, a young adult, you know, in high school and then into college and seeing girls uh, that I looked up to make it and they were my age. And so it's like, in a way, I feel like I've grown up enough and I've matured enough and and like I've come to this point where now I'm, I really am ready. Because, you know, you always think you're ready. Uh, at 15, I thought I was ready. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Right. No. Right. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and and then, you know, when I did the voice, I thought I was ready. But I really feel like now I am being true to myself and I'm and I'm able to advocate for myself more because I think too being a young woman in in the music industry um and I know myself very well, I'm a people pleaser. And so I don't tend you know, I want to go with the flow and I want to make sure everybody's happy. I don't want anyone to be upset with me. And if someone thinks it should be a certain way and I really and I value their opinion, then like that's the that's what we're doing. Like my my own thoughts or concerns, I didn't voice because I felt like they weren't valid because I didn't know. And so now I, I know I still have a lot to learn yet in, in this whole thing, but I'm very confident in uh, what I want and what I think is right. And I still take into consideration um, people that I value their opinion. And it means a lot to me. Like, I, I don't want people to think with me saying this that I'm like, it's my way or the highway. No, you know no, what I mean? It doesn't come sure. up like that But I, I don't yeah. feel like, I, I, I feel like I'm a strong, independent young woman now. And, I, and I'm not afraid to go against the grain because I don't want to upset someone. And I think that is an important lesson for anyone to learn is that your opinion matters and it is your career. And that is something that it has taken a while for me to like, to really get through my head is that it is my career. And ultimately I have the final say. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause I was just so, it's a scary thing. To, to talk to an elder and be like, I don't agree with that. And that's not me. Right, you know, yeah. you just want to please everybody yeah. and you don't want to be disrespectful. And so anyway, yeah, when you're clear, that. <laughs> no, uh, that's uh, f- first of all, that's amazing. When you're aligned with that vision and that creative integrity, it's not for other people to see. And that's something that we've talked a lot about, even just starting the company and everything. It's like, it doesn't have to make sense to anyone else. But when you're so convicted and when you can see it so clearly, that's when the real like magic starts to happen yeah. because you're not, you're not seeking approval anymore. It's already connected inside. So, 
um, you know, if someone else doesn't get it or if they're not on the same page, that's okay. It's up to you to, to control it and make it happen because, you know, that vision was meant for you, not for them. And they'll see it eventually. Absolutely. For sure. I think that's definitely something we, we push in our company is, is that authenticity and being true to yourself. And you just said, you know, at 25, you're finally, with all your experiences in music or even in life, like it's like you're kind of at this point right now where it's like, man, um, I'm in control of, of what I want to happen. And, and, and I have a voice and I found that voice. And that's what we try to promote. That voice right there, that's what's going to get you to, to, to the high mountains, man. That's going to get you to the success. Not the agreeable person. Not the person that's just trying to make everyone happy. No, 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 no. That don't happen. It's, it's, it's what you want. And it's okay to be selfish about that too. I want to make that clear. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be selfish about your career because it's yours and it's your life. We get one time around in this world. It's okay to be selfish about it. Okay, because it's that important to you. So cradle it, man, and 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 push it out there. Fuck everybody else. Getting <laughs> <laughs> fired up. I like that. That's good stuff. Um, so Kev and I usually like uh, around this point before we wrap up uh, is to ask you a, a question. Um, it's kind of the slogan for our company. And um, there's no right or wrong answer. We just like to kind of throw it out to you and just see uh, what comes off the top of your head or what comes out of your heart. So uh, what does bomb your boundaries mean to you? To me, uh, bomb your boundaries is more of a personal thing. Um, Obviously, we've talked about my insecurity in this uh, in our chat tonight and it's just something that I struggle with and uh, anxiety is something that I didn't know I struggled with until recently. And so for me, it's just silencing those um, negative voices in my head that tell me I'm incapable or that it'll never happen or that I'm not worthy and that I don't deserve um, these things that I have worked so hard for and I'm going to continue working hard for. And um, it just... It's a reminder, too, that no one else is going to do it for me. Um, there are people that are going to help me along the way and that are going to be crucial um, to my journey, but I can never stop working hard and I can never stop believing in myself um, if I want my dreams to come true. So um, I'm a big believer in what you guys are doing and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you having me on here. No, oh, really, really appreciate you too. And that was beautiful. That's uh, actually like the best answer I've heard <laughs> on here. Really? Yeah. I, yeah, I was, wow. I was, yeah, that got to me just because, you know, I, I suffer with anxiety as well. And I just, I know exactly what you're talking about and, and what, you know, what it takes to kind of push through that. So yeah, when those like self-imposed boundaries that are imagined start to come in, you know, yeah, got to bomb it. Exactly. I think we, uh, we tend to be our own worst enemy. Which yeah. sucks because we deserve so much more than that. You know, we should treat ourselves the way we treat other people, which is hopefully great. Much better than <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. Better than we treat ourselves, right? Totally. Yeah. Well, wow. That, this is incredible. I, I really thank you for, for all this. Thank um, you. Yeah. Where, where can people find you online? How do people connect with you? Run us down. Yeah. Um, probably the easiest way you can just head on over to my website, norcollins.com and there's links to all of my, uh, social media accounts, but it's pretty much just Nora Collins on everything. Um, but yeah, I'd love to connect with you. So send me a message and say hi. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, that was amazing. I really enjoyed the time today. I hope you guys did too. I know you got value out of that. We went through peaks and valleys, got deep, covered a lot of ground, got you some practical knowledge. So uh, if you got value out of this, please head over to iTunes and rate and review. Helps us out a lot. Head on over to bombersandsleeves.com. Check out our merchandise. If you dig any of it, go ahead and uh, you know get some for maybe you or a family member. It just supports this podcast. Even if you don't like it, thank you for listening to the podcast because honestly, carrying out this mission through this podcast is the most important thing. So we dig the clothing side of it, but you know what? This is this is the big thing. So with that being said, please email this or DM it to someone that you think uh, this episode could help because uh, there's a lot of powerful things in here. So I hope um, I hope to you know just help us share it as much as we can. Steve? <laughs> yeah, I uh, just want to thank our very special guest and great friend, Miss Nora Collins. Uh, it's just, like I said before, other man, it's, it's an honor to work with you as much as I do. It's, it's just great to have. I mean, we became fast Ditto. friends, man, and it's just, you're a, she's a wonderful person. And please, guys, do yourself the favor and look up some of her music, I mean, or, or go see a show. I, I promise you, you're going to love it. Uh, she's, she's just absolutely amazing. It's been great having you on here. Thanks for sharing your story with everybody. And uh, stay tuned for the next couple of podcasts. We've got some great ones coming up in the next few weeks. And uh, don't forget, bomb your boundaries, baby. Yeah, help take Nora Collins to the top. She deserves it. Peace. <laughs>